So you, you've got to start with creating some space in your schedule where you can actually slow down and begin to feel your feelings. The only way to truly process our feelings and move through our emotions is to feel them. It's the only way. There's no other magic substitute for that. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 445 with guest Dr. Shamala Kiru. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. You know, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts. I've been listening to a lot of maintenance phase lately. If you haven't listened to it, it's really great. And I had it on in the car, and then I have it when I'm making breakfast. And I just love having their voices on, entertaining me, informing me. And I thought to myself, I think people probably do the same thing with my podcast. So if you do, thank you. Thank you for (laughs) having me join you in whatever task, endeavor, exercise, anything that you do. I'm just so honored to be able to, to join you in those moments. When this podcast drops, I am going to be speaking in Philadelphia at the uh, Empower Women's Leadership Conference. I'm really excited. It's just such an amazing group of women. It just got me thinking. If you are a part of a company who has events or trainings or conferences, I might be a great speaker for you. I have four main keynotes. Uh, this time I am speaking on resilience, which which seems to be one that people are picking a lot lately, <laughs> you know, because of obvious reasons. I have one on resilience. I have one on confidence. That one is mostly for a women's audience, the confidence keynote. And I also have two other keynotes, one on corporate wellness that revolves around the things that we do to kind of numb out and check out of our life. How do we have better coping skills? And then one that is specifically on recovery, and those are for recovery conferences and and things like that. So it's at andreaowen.com slash speaking, and that outlines all of my keynotes. My speaker's reel is over there, and then you can inquire and get any more information that you might want. All right, this is our last episode on you know, the therapy modalities, healing, and it's a good transition over into relationships. I am so excited to have you hear this conversation. Dr. Shamala is here with us, and she's talking about emotional intelligence. And one of the very first questions I asked her, which I hadn't planned, was like, what actually is it? (laughs) What is emotional intelligence? So she'll tell us what that is, as well as we do spend a decent amount of time talking about communication skills, which is incredibly helpful. And and her expert opinion is, you know, can make or break your success, both in your personal life and your professional life. And she talks about how you can leverage your emotional intelligence. She has these four pillars. She'll get into it. I won't tell you any more. Let me tell you a little bit about her for those who don't know her. 
Dr. Shamala is an ex-therapist turned relationship and leadership expert with 20 years experience. The EQ Code, her global coaching company, trains professional women to master their emotions, communicate fearlessly, and lead with confidence so they can execute their mission at a whole new level. She is also the founder of the Kiru Psychotherapy Clinic podcast host and has appeared on national television as a media expert for over a decade. So without further ado, here is Dr. Shamala. Shamala, thank you so much for being here. Andrea, I'm so excited to be here. I feel like we connected quickly a little while ago, and then this interview was in the calendar, and I've been looking forward to it ever since. Oh, thank you. I I never get tired of talking to smart women about big topics. My my friend Amy Smith, and that's one of the ways we're connected, calls it shit that matters. And mm. <laughs> I'm like, yes. This that sounds matters. like an Amyism. <laughs> it is. We get a whole book of Amyisms. <laughs> and I, so I, I want to jump in right away because, well, you know where I want to start? Because we've talked about emotional intelligence a fair amount on this show previously, but can you, can you define just what that means for someone who has heard the term so many times, but they're not hundred percent clear on what does emotional intelligence actually look like? Okay. Great place to start and to jump in. And I think if you were to, you know, probably all of your guests may, they may have a different uh, definition of this. I'll define it the way that we define it in my corner of the world. So I think about emotional intelligence um, as sort of landing within two main buckets. The first bucket, I would say, is all about the skills that pertain to self-management. So all about how do I manage self? So that encompasses for me things like mindset, the subconscious mind, limiting beliefs. Um, of course, we want to develop empowering beliefs, self-regulation, you know, emotion regulation, sense of self-identity. There's like lots and lots of beautiful things for me that reside within the bucket of self, or as it's traditionally been called in emotional intelligence, is self-management. The other bucket um, is relationship management. I don't like the terms management, but that's traditionally you know, what it's been called within the, the sphere of emotional intelligence. And within relationship management, Andrea, we have beautiful things like um, attachment styles. We have things like um, understanding how to navigate the space between togetherness and separateness. We have things like, you know, how do you show up as a leader? How do you show up at home? Um, communication skills, boundary settings. So I think about relationship, uh, relationship management, emotional intelligence as the intersection between these two big, robust, beautiful buckets of managing self and managing others. You know, I, I didn't plan to ask you that question, but I, I, my eyes landed on emotional intelligence and I thought, I wonder if there's people out there who think they have a pretty good grasp on it and just want to make sure mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. who I am sometimes, but I love that explanation. I've never heard it explained that way because if I had to tell someone, I would simply put it as, um, it, it's a way for you to recognize your own emotions and be able to manage them and have emotional boundaries. And that would be this, the simplicity of it for me, but I love how you expanded on it. And, um, I, and I love the buckets too, the metaphor of the buckets. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you for starting us off that way. So you talk about how there's a connection between our emotional intelligence and our capacity for success, both personally mm-hmm. and profession, professional success. So can you, can you talk about that? 
Yes. Oh my gosh. You are asking all the right questions today, Andrea. Oh, you're almost welcome. As if, it's I've almost as if I pressed you a few times, <laughs> apparently. So <laughs> um, this question I love because um, number one, what I'm going to share with you is something I've experienced personally. It's something I've experienced professionally with clients, um, but it's something that the research also points to and indicates. So the research tells us that over 85% of our financial success is actually tied to our emotional intelligence. Stop and, it. Are you serious? Yes. I have I know. never heard that that statistic before. Yes. That's incredible. Yes. And I bet I actually bet it's a little higher, to be honest with you. And um, I also believe that they use the terms financial success. I really believe this is true of our personal success as well. And and I think it's, you know, we could unpack the word success and really what that means because I think it means different things to different people. Um, And I don't know about you, but for me, success at home, you know, looks different from success in the workforce, right? Like at home, it's about connection. but different. Yeah, but it, it, right? It, It sort of shows up differently and it feels different and all those sorts of things. But but yeah, it's over 85% of our success is tied to skills and emotional intelligence and specifically the ability to communicate, negotiate, and lead. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Communicate, negotiate, and lead, which that makes sense in its connection to emotional intelligence. Yes. Right. And so when you think about, and this is why for me, when I think about emotional intelligence, it has to have those two buckets because the management of self, I think ties to the management of relationships in terms of how we communicate. How do we negotiate our relationships? Mm -hmm. You know, how are we leading? And again, I, I consider us in leadership positions, both personally and professionally. You know what I mean? Like in our relationships, like Mm -hmm. even intimate relationships. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. yeah. You have leadership positions, even if you are a stay-at-home parent. Uh, Absolutely. Like actually a massive leadership position if you're a (laughs) stay-at-home, to be honest, right? Like true. Really? Okay. Now the wheels are turning with that statistic and and what the science tells us. And I was thinking about, I, I wrote a little bit about money in my last book and make some noise. And it's all about, you know, how our culture has raised women to, to, you know, be a certain way. And when it comes to money, many times and and statistics show us that we don't invest as much as our male counterparts. We don't negotiate as much in salaries at jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And I think about my own experience with, I make no experience negotiating salary. (laughs) Right. When I was in corporate America, And also when I was in my twenties and even in my thirties and having a financial advisor, which actually, to be fair, came sort of by accident because it was attached to my former husband, like his parents kind Mm -hmm. of had, so I wouldn't have sought out a financial advisor, but for so long, I had no idea what they were talking about. And I was too embarrassed and ashamed to ask questions. So once I started to do my own work and understand how important it was to be vulnerable and sit in the, in the discomfort of asking questions, and it took me a long time to, to be able to meet with this person and have them talk to me and interrupt and say, I'm sorry, I have no idea what that means. Like, what is the difference between this and this? And why does it matter? Mm-hmm. And I, and also even to be as vulnerable and say, can you draw this out for me? Because yeah. I don't know if it's my ADD or what, but when someone explains I can't picture it. I yep. <laughs> just, yep. anyway, all that to say, 
it's, um, I, I believe it. I believe that 85% and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's taken a lot of vulnerability and a lot of questions for me to be in a very different financial position that I was 15 years ago. Well, and, and I hear in that, like giving yourself permission, like giving mm-hmm. yourself permission to ask the questions that you need to ask, right? Giving yourself permission yeah. <laughs> that you're not an expert in, giving yourself permission to take up space, giving yourself permission to slow down the conversation when needed, mm-hmm. right? Like all of those sort of, sorts of pieces for me still land. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so like, I've been in the field for so long that I can't, it's hard for me to see these skills as not part of emotional intelligence, if that makes sense. Like all of that for me, giving yourself permission for all of those things are all part of emotional intelligence, right? Because you mm-hmm. would have had to do some mindset work. Yeah. Right. To even be yeah. able to do that, to have those kinds of conversations, you would have had to overturn probably some limiting beliefs and you would have had to communicate assertively. Right. One of the, one of just, hopefully this helps people listening because one of the perspective shifts that shifts that was helpful for me to start asking questions, all of the questions like bare bones, basic questions when it came to investing and retirement funds and all of those things was, I thought to myself, if I had a brand new client and maybe this person had never um, had a coach before, I would never expect them to totally understand all of the jargon and tools and things that I was teaching them and working with them with coming in. Like it's literally Mm -hmm. my job to help them. So why on earth do I think that it's my job that I should know all of these things about investing in retirement funds and all the different names and what is a SEP? Like, what does that mean? What is a SEP? (laughs) Like, I I don't know. And yes, we have, we have Google and we can do all of these things, but that's what you pay these people for. So I'm going to get off my soapbox about, (laughs) (laughs) but it's their job. It's their job Mm -hmm. to teach you Mm -hmm. and help you. Okay. Uh, so you talk about four pillars of the EQ code and, and mm-hmm. EQ is sort of the acronym for emotional intelligence. Why don't, why don't they call it EI? You know what? I'm so <laughs> glad you're probably the first, you know, <laughs> interviewer <laughs> yes. that asked me that question, but uh, like, it's the question that I had when I first came across that term. I'm like, why didn't they? So here's why I think they didn't because when EQ emotional intelligence really sort of quote unquote came on the scene. Um, and it like, it was a big thing. And, you know, when it first came on the scene, it wasn't used necessarily in areas of like coaching or even in like therapy mainstream. and things like, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't like, it was really in the corporate sector, right? So it was being mm-hmm. taught in the corporate sector. I used to be um, in corporate Canada. I'm Canadian um, before I became a therapist, but you know, it was used in the corporate sector and it was used as part of like leadership development for the top tier leaders. Okay. Okay. And so I don't know. This is my guess. There's no research to back this up, but, but the, I think they called it EQ because they wanted to differentiate it and almost like juxtapose it to IQ. Okay. Right. Like when we first started learning and researching and really looking into what they called soft skills, emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence skills, they were like, oh, these are completely different from technical skills or sort of the IQ. Right. So one of the things that we would often talk about in the space is that you might score really, really high on IQ, but score really, really low on EQ. I've met those people. 
Well, yes, we all, I believe we all have, I believe we all have, um, which is kind of funny and we can laugh about that, but I like, that's the, that's the best explanation um, I have for it. Um, but I agree because even when we decided to call our company, the EQ code, you know, my, you know, my marketing team was like Shamla, no one knows what EQ is. I'm like, I know, but it just, I, I like it, it is what it is. And it yeah. will spark conversation and That's I use true. emotional <laughs> intelligence, right? Like I use emotional intelligence, like in everything I say. So, um, but that's, yeah, it's, it's EQ is maybe you should make a YouTube video about it because there right? probably are people who are Googling it. I assumed that it stood for like emotional quotient or something, yes. some other word yes. that they decided was too confusing or anyway. Yes. Okay. That was not the original question. I <laughs> just, Sometimes I blurt things out that run through my mind. Okay. So four pillars of the EQ code. Can you briefly Mm. explain them and how each pillar helps women master every area of their life and take as much time as you need? Okay. (laughs) Sure. And it's not an easy question. And please stop me because I could talk about this all day. So stop me when I've taken too much time. (laughs) So, so to, to understand this, so one of the things I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So my background and how I came to this is I spent about 20 years as a psychotherapist Mm -hmm. specializing in couple and family therapy. So my doctoral degree is in couple and family therapy. So once I decided, um, I wanted to, uh, move out of psychotherapy. So I don't practice one-to-one psychotherapy anymore. Um, I decided I wanted to move into the coaching space. I wanted to move into the coaching space with a, like taking sort of everything I learned and a framework that women could utilize in a bit of a step-by-step way with support for integration and all of those sorts of things um, that would allow them to achieve the goals that I was primarily seeing in my practice. Like, right? Like what, what women were really struggling with, what they really wanted, what they desired, like all those sorts of things. So that's sort of the Backgrounds of how I sort of came up with and developed these four pillars. So it's it's the intersection between who we are individually and how we relate to our our world and the people in it. So with that said, the first pillar of success that we use we call it emotional mastery, and what that actually means is um, really learning how to feel calm and confident regardless of external circumstances. It's important for me to say emotional mastery doesn't mean you don't feel things and you don't get upset and you don't get activated and you don't get dysregulated. That's not at all what it means. Cause I, you know, that happens to me every single day, right? Like I had a moment of total dysregulation this morning as I was getting my daughter off to school. So (laughs) it happens every day. So, but, but what it means is that we have the skills so that we can choose to feel calm and confident regardless of what's happening outside of us. So that's for me what emotional mastery is. Uh, And that's the foundation of really and truly everything we do and teach and train inside of the EQ code. And this would encompass things that you're probably familiar with, Andrea, um, like skills around uh, self-regulation, reprogramming the subconscious mind, reprogramming and repatterning, you know, old ways of thinking about ourselves and relationships, our worth, Mm -hmm. you know, all those sorts of things, our role, like, uh, you know, all the deeper work is what's encompassed for me in the emotional mastery pillar. The second pillar is what we call uh, fearless communication. And again, I always have to explain these terms because what I mean when I say fearless communication is not that you don't feel afraid 
when you're having a difficult conversation, but it's that you have the courage and the integrity to have the difficult conversation, say what you really need to say, ask for what you really need to ask for, regardless of the outcome of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think that keeps women from having the conversations that we need to have is that we get really tied and fixated on the outcome like wanting a conversation to go a certain way. And then that's what dysregulates us. And that's what activates the fear response in such a profound way that we often end up not having the conversation. Or we choose um, some of the more toxic styles of communication, like the passive style or the passive aggressive style, mm-hmm. uh, you know, aggressive style, right? Rather than communicating assertively. So that's fearless communication. Third pillar, we call it um, elevated relationships. And what I mean by that is um, the ability to set boundaries without feeling guilty, the ability to, when you're you know, in a relationship, let's say it's an intimate relationship, you're able to maintain your sense of self, like maintain your sense of who you are while simultaneously able, like really being able to Uh, take risks, let your Uh guard down, get close, right? Experience the fullness of intimacy without losing yourself inside of it. So that's for me, like those are just some of the skills inside of the elevated relationships pillar. And then the final one, we use this pillar. um, We have like two main uh, programs that we offer. One is the relationship lab and one is the leadership lab. So the fourth pillar we only use inside of our leadership lab Um, which is really for entrepreneurs. And this is where we integrate those three pillars and we learn how to lead with confidence. That's what we call it. And it's really about the ability to make decisions that are aligned with our values rather than decisions that meet other people's expectations. That's a big one. It's a big one. (laughs) You know, it's one that I'm still working on every day. Um, so, so those are sort of the, the, and again, it's, you know, if you ask me 10 years from now, they might shift and they might be different, but you know, I'm 45 and, um, I stopped practicing psychotherapy last, I guess it's been over a year now. So over a year ago, I still have my, I still maintain my clinic, still lead my team. Um, and it was that sort of the culmination of my two decades of work and really saying, okay, these are the key areas where most of the women in my world anyway, really were, were desiring support. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. Last year, I bought all of in June manicure sets for people that I love, and they loved them as gifts. And I was so happy when all of in June reached out to uh, be a sponsor of the show because I've been using them as well for weeks, and I absolutely adore them. The reason I switched to at-home manicures is honestly the time. Every time I had an appointment, I still had to wait, and now everything is on my schedule. With Olive and June's Manny system, you can have beautiful Salon Perfect nails for just $2 a Manny. Everything comes in the system in one box. Olive and June says that their nail polishes last seven plus days, but to be honest with you, mine last 14 days. All I do is put an extra layer of the top coat about a week in, and they don't chip. You're also going to love the poppy. It comes in the manicure set and it's a patented brush handle that makes it so easy to paint with both of your hands. Olive and June offers press-ons too, which my daughter Sydney loves. It's a salon look in minutes that's better than gel. It lasts 
a couple of weeks for her and it comes in most sizes so you can find whatever your best fit is. No one will know that they're fake. Getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now at your fingertips. No pun intended with Olive in June. Visit oliveandjune.com slash noise for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash N-O-I-S-E for 20% off your first Manny system. If you really, really know me, you know I love a beautiful serving bowl and serving dish. My mom had this big serving dish since I was a kid, and it has a crack in it that's been repaired. And a few years ago, when I was at her house for Thanksgiving, I asked her if I could have it, and she gave it to me. I don't know. Dishes, especially serving dishes, create so much meaning, and I can't wait to hand down to my kids special dinnerware that we use now. Because your table is where you nourish yourself, your friendships, and your family, and that's why year and day believes it's worth it to set a table you love. Year and Day gives you everything you need and nothing you don't to set the perfect table. I love, love, love the simplicity and beauty of Year and Day's designs. This isn't your grandma's china. It's a beautifully curated assortment of high quality dishes, flatware, and glass designed to enhance your modern life at home. And if you're not sure what you want, you can answer a few questions about how you live, how you entertain, and Year and Day will customize a complete set for you in just a few clicks. And this is very important. Everything is dishwasher safe. I think they're gorgeous. Please go check them out and support the show. Year and Day is giving Make Some Noise listeners a special offer. Visit yearandday.com slash noise and use code Noise to get $25 off your first order of $150 or more and receive free shipping on orders of $150 or more. That is yearandday.com slash noise and use code noise. All of their things are beautiful. Go check them out. I especially love all of their bowls. So again, yearandday.com slash noise and use code noise. Okay, you know, I've been talking to you about Circle DNA the last few weeks and how I took the test and sent it in. It was super easy to take. The results are back. And just, I mean, Circle DNA Premium is the world's most comprehensive DNA test. 500 reports across 20 categories. It's so much information. It's so interesting. And I want to just tell you about a few of them. The ones that I was most interested in were the drug responses, which I won't get into it, but I'm sure you've heard of it where you can tell like which ones you should take as directed with caution, et cetera. Uh, Came back that I have excellent memory skills, which drives my husband crazy because now it's validated. Yes, I don't don't forget anything. And also that I am gifted. I, I came back average on most things. Also came back average on music and dance ability. So my chances of being a solid gold dancer, probably not great. But I am gifted at information processing power. This, y'all, is probably why I talk so fast, because I'm processing information very quickly. One of the other things that was so interesting to me is, especially if I was about to have children, or even if I had adult children who who might have kids themselves, is that it will test any kind of genetic mutations that you have. I came back, had no idea that I'm positive, I'm a positive carrier for non-syndromic hearing loss, which is just, it's just nice to know those things things. Also with Circle DNA Premium, you get two free one-on-one consultations with genetic counselors that help you interpret your results and stay tuned. I will let you know how that goes. 
There's also, if your budget is limited, Circle DNA offers uh, Circle DNA Vital that focuses on diet, exercise, and wellness reports. If you wanted something a little bit more affordable, your data is always 100% private and securely stored. So if you go to circledna.com and use my coupon code, Andrea Owen, you get 33% off any Circle DNA test. This is only valid for the first 33 kits sold. So make sure you don't miss out. It's circledna.com. Use coupon code Andrea Owen. Owen at checkout to get 33% off your order. I want to circle back to elevated relationships and ask you a question about that because you said uh, one of the examples was setting boundaries without feeling guilty. And can Mm -hmm. you, can you talk about what that looks like? I, I immediately thought of someone dear to me in my life who has had to set a no contact boundary with Mm -hmm. a parent Mm -hmm. and, and it's been a long process. And I I think that's, I mean, I don't, I don't like to, to, to rank things, but it, it seems to me like that's probably one of the most difficult boundaries to set in one's life. And, and the guilt is overwhelming for this person. And I've, I've, I'm, I'm asked this question, like, how do I, how do I get rid of the, the mom guilt? How do I get rid of the guilt? Mm-hmm. And my, my professional opinion is sometimes it's always there and it's mm-hmm. about managing it more so mm-hmm. than eradicating it. So mm-hmm. what is, what is your opinion on that? Yeah. I love this question. And I would actually agree with you. I think setting a boundary with a parent is one of the most challenging things to do. Mm -hmm. And it's also one of um, like, if we're able to renegotiate our relationships with our parents via our adult self, like you would be amazed at what a massive difference it makes in your overall confidence Mm -hmm. in every person's like setting it from your like unconscious inner child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or like still relating to your parent as a child, which okay. a lot of us do unless we're yeah. intentional about, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> so anyway, side note there on that, but I, I agree with you on that. Um, so setting boundaries without guilt, here's what I mean by that. So do you remember when we talked about the framework, I said the emotional mastery piece is the foundation. Mm-hmm. So in that phase of work, we are um, working in a very focused way to reprogram the subconscious. So when we consistently have feelings of guilt around putting ourselves first, setting boundaries, you know, making decisions that are aligned for us and might disappoint others, that guilt has been programmed into our subconscious mind. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, oh, totally. Right? Yeah. Like it's and I'm, very I'm assuming deep. like it's there in many ways, or maybe just in some ways as a survival mechanism, you know, so we'll, so we'll stay with our community and stay, you know, within ranks of certain people to survive. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about like our subconscious mind um, is often programmed and developed between the ages of zero to seven, we're very small and vulnerable and you know all of those sorts of things and so survival connection belonging acceptance all of those needs would have been very very primary and primal to us at that time and so we learned to feel guilty when we let people down we learn mm-hmm. to feel bad right like a lot of yeah. women will say i feel bad like i feel so bad about that like a like, terrible kid yeah like a terror exactly right it's like goes back to that. i feel like a bad girl like i need mm-hmm. to be a good like this good girl programming so it goes very very deep 
So when I say to women that I work with, like we can actually learn to set boundaries without guilt. What I mean is like, that's the long game. Like we can get to a place where we have really repatterned and reprogrammed those neuro pathways around how we see ourselves in relation to others, that it doesn't trigger that guilt response, but it takes time. That's not Mm going to happen right away. Right? So to reprogram and repattern a response, because that's all it is. Guilt is just a response. Yeah. Right. It's a response. So to reprogram and repattern a response like guilt, it's two things. One, it's yes, working at the level of the subconscious to really shift what's happening in there. But the second thing is taking action that aligns with the new belief you want to hold. Taking action with a new belief that you want to hold. Okay. Right. So give us a quick example of that. Yes. Yes. Based on the example that I gave. So let's say my good girl belief, right? Mm-hmm. Like the is that uh, it's my job to make my mother happy. Let's just use a really concrete, right? It's my job mm-hmm. to make my mom happy. She's getting older. It's my job to make sure she's happy, that she's not stressed, that, you know, all those sorts of things. So that's the limiting belief that activates guilt for me, right? And probably keeps me from making decisions that align with my goals, my desires, my values. Yes? Mm-hmm. Right. So the the new belief could be something like, I am not responsible for other people's feelings. I am responsible for living in alignment with my values. For how I show up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and it can, you know, I mean, there's lots of different ways that we could reposition that belief so that it really fits the individual. Like I don't, I don't believe in um like just standard affirmations, or I think it really needs to fit. Um, for you and your particular life and your particular circumstances for your subconscious mind to actually buy it and be willing uh-huh. to even play with it. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm, ha- I'm having like some aha moments over here. It's so, it's so interesting. I, a few things I was watching, uh, some, it was continuing education with Dr. Gabor Mate, and he talks about, mm-hmm. you know, childhood trauma, et cetera. And, and he had a woman that, that sort of raised her hand and, and said, you know, I don't, I don't feel like anything bad or hard happened as a child. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, you know, he invites people up to the stage. And she said, she was talking about her childhood and said, I was loved so much. Mm-hmm. And, um, but she had a pretty typical childhood, I, I think, especially for people, you know, elder millennials, generation X, and maybe, maybe all millennials and, and maybe everyone, <laughs> The family that just doesn't talk about hard things. They sweep things mm-hmm. under the rug. Let's just only, we have happy talks. We have happy thoughts. Everyone's happy here. If you have, I often like kind of joke, like in my family, it was, if you had anything else besides happiness, you went and did that in your room on your own. Right. And so, and that was her experience. I resonated so much. I could totally relate. And then he said, is that where you decided that you were then responsible for everyone's happiness? Mm. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> mm, yes. Right? Because my therapist for so long, starting from my 20s, had to remind me over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I sat in her office and her reminding me, you are not responsible for your father's oh. emotions. Yeah. You are not responsible. And so it, it just is fascinating to think about how even the best intended parents. And, mm. and I've come to that acceptance. I don't know if you have to, or other mm-hmm. parents out there are listening to this. My, my children will 
end up talking about me in therapy. There will be oh, something that I did. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that, will <hurt> them. <laughs> that will not be as I intended to. It's their experience. But um, thank you for, for giving that example and, and talking about the long game and how it is something that we will likely have to work on, at least on a fairly consistent basis. It might be kind of like our thing, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, to use mm-hmm. quotes to um, to keep coming back to. Well, let's on the topic of communication, why do you think communication skills can make or break success specifically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you know we've we've talked um, in our conversation today about management of self mm-hmm. and management of relationships, right? And the intersection between the two. And the way I see and view communication skills is um, they're like a bridge. Right. So if you think of self and then you think of the other, whoever that other is, um, for me, communication skills are the set of skills that bridges that gap. Right. Like it's Mm -hmm. the set of skills that we would use to connect with the other. It's a set of skills that we would use to, um, to deepen a relationship. It's also the set of skills that can get us into a lot of trouble in relationships Mm -hmm. or make it very difficult for us to, um, to navigate our relationships. And in my work, both as, you know, when I was practicing, uh, my, my practice when I was practicing was very heavily focused on couples, um, and it it's it is definitely it was definitely the one thing the one set of skills that would get people stuck more than anything else like mm-hmm. i can't even tell you how many times i had people say like i like i have no idea how to resolve this issue i have yeah. no idea how to like how to say this to my partner i have no idea going how in to circles. that's what i'm going call in it. circles right <laughs> I think and every like, couple's experienced that for sure. And mm-hmm. like the level of distress, like, I don't know if you, I mean, I've personally experienced it. I've personally had the experience of, I know in my gut, I need to say something or I need to have this conversation or I need to express this thing that I'm feeling inside. And I feel so stuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, like, ugh, like my yeah. emotions are, you know, like, all over the place. And like, how do I say it? And I'm thinking about the other person. And so it's a very, very common experience. And so for me, like one of the areas um, that I think I've personally made a massive shift in that has had a dramatic impact on how I show up to my own relationships at home, as well as how I show up, you know, as a leader um, for the the businesses that I run, uh, as well as how I show up, you know, publicly, like whether I'm speaking or whatever it is, it's my communication skills. Yeah. Like it comes back to that. And I often think about it, like if there was one set of skills that I probably get asked to teach and train on more than anything else, it's communication. Like no one, you know, no one's like, right. Like if, <laughs> No one really comes to me as like, you know, help me reprogram all my subconscious, but like, that's nobody not the believes, sexy, yeah. right? Like <laughs> nobody really wants to do that. Like we do it because yeah, we have to, um, but really what people like ask for and want and realize uh, they really need our communication skills. I think we all innately sort of know it, it absolutely can make or break our success. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and the, I was, um, 
I think you're right. That last part, like we innately know, but I, I, I was, and you explained it very well. Like what, what does that actually look like? And I, I wonder if, I mean, I'm not surprised that the, the, you know, the, the biggest thing people are looking for to have you talk about train and teach is, is on communication. And I, this is just my hypothesis. I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that we've all, it's universal that we've been in a position in a relationship, whether it's at work or a romantic relationship or even a friendship where we don't feel like we're being heard. And then the other person likely feels the same way. And then you go around in circles, you go around in circles, and then the emotions rise until there's a big fight, until people are being passive aggressive or stonewalling or or whatever it is that their style is when people get hurt and angry and frustrated. And, and I wonder if many times we want the skills for selfish reasons, because we want the other person to hear us. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's oh. our number one priority. Like, uh-huh. of course we want to like work things out and be able to hear their side and be able to communicate, um, you know, with reciprocity, but also I, I want you to hear me. <laughs> I want yes. you to understand, yes. not just hear me. Yes. You're, I think you're, you're so bang on. And, and I mean, I work with, um, I work with professional women, but I also work with a lot of entrepreneurs and on, like for entrepreneurs, like this, it's like the number one skill that they desire. And they come to me for, because they realize it makes it, it actually does have a significant impact. Just like the research says 85% on our financial success, right? Like yeah. it really impacts how we attract and retain clients to be honest with you, like if we were going to get really like down to the nitty gritty of, of business growth and entrepreneurship, and um, it has a huge, huge impact on um, ability to attract and retain clientele in any business. doesn't matter the industry. That's interesting. And and not surprising when you think about it, but I, what I have seen happen in my own, not just this marriage that I'm in, but like previous relationships is, is when you don't hear each other and we, you know, when you have a communication breakdown, which inevitably will happen, then I think each partner starts jockeying to see, to, to prove to the other person who has it worse. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm the most hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're yep. not going to tell me that yes. your hurt or frustration or anger or sadness or whatever is worse than mine. And then That's when you right. get to that place, I think it's like nobody's listening to each other. And That's right. luckily I, I recognize that place and that where I'm like, all right, now we need to call in. We need to call in the supervisors, AKA therapists. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we're not getting anywhere. Right. Even right. with all of my communication skills. And, and to be honest, my kids are 14 and 12 now. And that is mm-hmm. the one thing because I didn't, I didn't get that growing up and, and have learned it as an adult. It's the one thing that I am teaching my children and I have gotten it wrong so many times. I think I tried to like teach big concepts when they were little, but what I feel like has worked the most is just having conversations about big topics and making them not a big deal. Of course, age appropriate, but just, I just want my kids to know that there is no topic that's off limits. Of course. Even if I fundamentally disagree, I want to be able to have honest and open conversations and for them to know that they can come and talk to me about anything. And even just that, I feel like. Well, and it's huge. Like, so I have a, I have a 12 year old daughter Mm -hmm. and um, I can totally relate to everything you're saying. And it's so, like, it's fascinating to me how much parenting has shifted 
like yeah. from like, you know, I feel like we're this like mid generation, right? Like from how our parents parented to how we're parenting, there's such a huge shift because one of the biggest pieces I see that's different about how we parent today is we place a ton of value on emotional intelligence in yeah. parenting. Like generally speaking, yes, I agree with that. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so interesting and, and you're right. And I think about that often, like what you just said, no topic is off limits. <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. I remember growing up, I was very aware of all the topics that were off limits, right? Oh, like, yeah. don't you dare go there. Don't even like, say it out just, loud. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't even think it like, <laughs> don't even make a list. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, and I think it's, I think it's such a, such a beautiful shift and, um, yeah, I have no doubt the next generation will just like take it even further. Right. I'm so excited for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm worried for, you know, re- the other reasons, world yeah. <laughs> problems, et cetera, yes. environmental problems, et cetera, et cetera. However, I'm excited for this generation and I get emotional about it often seeing yeah. <laughs> things yeah. on TV. And, um, anyway, I have one more question for you and then yes. I want to, I want you to tell people where they can go to get more, more of you. So what are some ways maybe like a first steps type of thing that a woman can leverage emotional intelligence in her life? Great question. So if you're starting, if you're listening to this and it's like, what the heck is this? Like communication, boundaries, guilt, I've got all kinds of guilt. The first place to start, I would say is creating some space because I realize that most women don't have a lot of space mm-hmm. in their lives and in their schedules for themselves. So you, you've got to start with creating some space in your schedule where you can actually slow down and begin to feel your feelings. I actually did. I mean, it'll be gone by the time this episode is aired, but I did a little Instagram story yesterday about this very thing because we were talking about it on on one of my coaching calls is there's a massive difference between thinking your feelings and feeling your feelings. I just, I mean, you know what I'm saying about that? Like did the (laughs) over-intellectualization of of it. Yeah, totally. I'm a master at that. Right. Like I feel very bitter about this whole thing. Like that's not feeling your feelings. Like it's it's thinking your feelings. It's it is a level of awareness sure. in that you're identifying. But the only way to truly process our feelings and move through our emotions is to feel them. It's the mm-hmm. only way. There's no other magic, you know, um, substitute for that. So if you're gonna start somewhere, I would invite you into a daily practice, because you know, here's the news ladies is this, like you got to practice this stuff every single day, Uh, a daily practice of carving out. It doesn't have to be long. It can be five minutes of slowing down and turning inward to actually feel your feelings so that you're better able to process them. That's the first step and the foundation of emotion regulation and emotional mastery. Well, I've been saying the same thing. So I love it when experts come on here (laughs) and echo what I've been teaching. I mean, I don't think that the intellectualizing and the thinking about emotions is bad per se. It's just, it can be a bit of a coping mechanism. Is that, would you agree? Listen, I think it's, I think it's useful. I actually think, and you know, there are times where we need to feel our feelings. And then there are times where we need to move into that, like simple cognitive awareness of our feelings, right? Like when we're going in to have a difficult conversation. So these are different pathways and different approaches we can take. And I, you know, don't discount any of them, but if we're looking at really where we want to start 
to move towards our most emotionally intelligent self, we need to process. We need right. to process. Um, and so that for me is a, a really great place to begin the practice of accessing the emotionally intelligent woman within yourself. Fantastic. Okay. So you are at the eqcode.com. Is there anywhere else that you want to send people specifically? Instagram's a, gr- a great place. Come find me on Instagram. I know, um, Andrea, you'll link it up for mm-hmm. your listeners, dr.shamalakiru. Um, better that you <laughs> find it in the show notes because it's it's a tricky one to spell. Yeah. Go to the show notes, everybody, and I'll link to her Instagram account. Dr.shamalakiru. Um, and if you go to that link in bio, that's where if we've got a free masterclass happening, if we've got something going on, you will find it all there. Um, and if you go to eqcode.com, right on the homepage, you will see a freebie. Like there's a free emotional intelligence audit that you can take that will help you to understand where you rank today in terms of this set of skills. Ooh, I love a good quiz slash audit. I am going to go check right? that out too. Thank you so much for being here. This has been such a such a fun and insightful conversation. I I am so, so grateful. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for your time. I'm incredibly grateful that you choose to spend it here with my guests and myself. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the show. And just a quick reminder that if your company needs a speaker or a trainer, I might be the right person for you. I speak and do keynotes on confidence and resilience for mixed audiences, as well as do trainings on The Daring Way, which is the methodology based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown. So if you think it might be a good fit, hit me up at support at andreaowen.com or head over to my speaking page, andreaowen.com slash speaking.